0: Oh, I can't read that. Scripture today is Lamentations 2 verses 1 through 9. How the Lord has covered daughter Zion with the cloud of his anger. He has furled down the the splendor I'm going to have to turn around, sorry. of Israel from heaven to earth. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of anger. Without pity, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. In his wrath he has torn down the strongholds of daughter Judah. He has brought her kingdom and its princes down to the ground in dishonor. In fierce anger he has cut off every horn of Israel. He has withdrawn his right hand at the approach of the enemy. He has burned in Jacob like a flaming fire that consumes everything around it. Like an enemy he has strung his bow, his right hand is ready. Like a foe he has slain all who were pleasing to the eye. He has poured out his wrath like fire on the tent of daughter Zion. The Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces and destroyed her strongholds. He has multiple mourning and lamentation for daughter Judah. He has laid waste his dwelling like a garden. He has destroyed his place of meeting. The Lord has made Zion forget her appointed festivals and her Sabbaths. In his fierce anger, he has spurned both king and priest. The Lord has rejected his altar and abandoned his sanctuary. He has given the walls of her palaces into the hands of the enemy. They have raised a shout in the house of the Lord as on the day of an appointed festival. The Lord determined to tear down the wall around daughter Zion. He stretched out a measuring line and did not withhold his hand from destroying. He made ramparts and walls lament. Together they wasted away. Her gates have sunk into the ground. Their bars he has broken and destroyed. Her king and her princes are exiled among the nations. The law is no more, and her prophets no longer find visions from the Lord.
1: That is one rough passage. That is a hard word from God. And uh, boy, just heard reading that just shook me up. <clears throat> So, Lord, help me say the words that you want to be said and that you be glorified. <clears throat> I do want to say that the hymnals are just off the charts, man. These songs that are being sung is just full of power, the word of God. And it just to listen to them and hear them has just been amazing. And so the Brethren hymnal, it rocks. <laughs> it rocks solid. <clears throat> the children of Israel had fallen off the cliff. ...despite warnings from the prophet about their situation. Lamentations, the book of sorrow, grief, and distress... ...highlights the results of their fall to the Babylonians in 586 B.C. In chapter 1, the misery of hunger, death in battle... destruction of the temple, their exile, and oppression. In chapter 2, these uh, sufferings become more intense. The nation sinned against God and the prophets were faithless to God. In chapter 3, this chastisement was for their own good, which would ultimately bring God's redeeming nature to the forefront. Chapter 4, Judah's sorrows are confessed to be caused by their sin. In chapter 5, the prophet Jeremiah prays that her reproach would be taken away, that God would grant repentance for his people and renew their days of old. Jeremiah was in the thick of this mess. He suffered all kinds of abuse and trials, although he was a faithful prophet of God. He was a prophet in Jerusalem at the time of the siege and destruction by the Babylonians. Like most of the prophets, Jeremiah was despised and abused. Time and again, it is said, they will not listen. I'm going to be reading a host of scriptures, not from the King James, but from a more um, updated version, if you will. Ye shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer. This wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, who walk in the stubbornness of their hearts, and have gone after other gods to serve them and about out of them, let them be just like this waistband which is totally worthless. Yet they did not listen nor incline their ears, but stiffened their necks in order to listen or take correction. But they say that is in vain We will follow our own plans, and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to bring on this city and all its towns the entire calamity that I have declared against it, because they have stiff-necked their necks as not to heed my words. Jeremiah was not only ignored, he was mistreated by those to whom he brought God's message. Persecuted by those he was trying to guide and save. More scripture. Now Pasher the priest, the son of Emer, who was chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. Then Pasher beat Jeremiah the prophet and put him in stocks that were in the upper Benjamin Gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priest and the prophet said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves sentence of death. He has prophesied against this city, as you have heard with your own ears. As soon as Jedidiah heard three or four columns of the scroll from Jeremiah, Ching Jehoiakim cut them off with a scribe's knife and threw them into the fire and was burning in the fireplace. He kept on doing this until the whole scroll was burned up. Then they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Melchizedek, the king's son, which was in the court of the guardhouse, and they let Jeremiah down with ropes. Now in the cistern there was no water but only mud. And Jeremiah sank into the mud. Azariah the son of Hoshani and Johanan the son of Keri and all the insolent men said to Jeremiah, You are telling a lie. The Lord our God did not send you to say, Do not go to Egypt to live there. All because he told the truth about their situation and they refused to listen to the prophet. In Jeremiah twenty-six eight through eleven, I'd like to read that for you this morning. Jeremiah twenty-six eight through eleven. Now it came to pass when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking and all that, all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people, that the priests and the prophets and all the people took him, saying, "You will die." Why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be called desolate without inhabitation? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. Jeremiah suffered the same punishment as his people. He prophesied and he preached to him, but he suffered the same thing. In chapter 37, verses 11 through 16, he was called a traitor and he was put in prison. Chapter 43, 1 through 6, he experiences the conquest of Jerusalem. He, along with his scribe Barak, are taken to Egypt with others who had escaped deportation to Babylon. In all these troubles, there was no word from God. In our scripture this morning, chapter 2 and verse 9, Jeremiah says, The law is no more. Her prophets also find no vision from God. No one talks about the law anymore. The law was done away with and the false prophets have nothing to say anymore. The will of God was not asked. The priests were not asked to explain the law. Nor were the prophets approached to hear what the Lord had shown them. None of it made any sense because God at this point was silent. Everything that gave guidance to the people on God's behalf disappeared. He had taken it away from them because of their unfaithfulness to his law. There was no message of comfort and support for the children of Israel. You have people on one side, prophets and great men who read the law. Tell the people, God loves you and God is for you. You have nothing to worry about. His love recovers all. And because you are his people... And because he loves you, he will not allow a heathen king to come and take you into captivity. Jeremiah stands in front of the king and the prophets and says, you're wrong. God says, not only are you going to go to jail, brother, but you're going to go for 70 years. So when you move to your new land, you buy you some homes and get your job because you're going for the long haul. The other prophets look and they say, no the God of love who loves us and cares for us, even if he did send a heathen to take us hostage, even if he did such a thing, it wouldn't be for very long because we are his people and he loves and cares for us. Jeremiah said, you're wrong. You've disobeyed God. You've not followed him. You've not followed his commands. And he is going to send you into captivity and you better settle in and be ready because you've displeased him. All because he told them the truth. And they wouldn't listen. And they'd done terrible things to him. Could this kind of thing be happening in our churches today? Churches are splitting over the authority of the Bible. The Bible is to fit you. The Bible is to fit culture. It doesn't matter when a new culture comes along. The Bible has to fit that man or that woman in their way of life with what they want to do. They do not answer to the word of God. The word of God answers to them. Other people say the Bible is God's word of life. It speaks to our heart. It speaks to our mind. It speaks to our person. It speaks to our church. And it changes you. And you are to adapt to its word, its teaching, and its guidance. Some people say God is love. Love opens the door for people to do and live how they choose. Do what you want because he loves you. God loves me just like I am. If he loved me just like I was, he wouldn't have sent the Lord Jesus Christ to change me and save my soul. But he loved me in spite of myself and my ways and who I was. He loved me. Say because he does love me and he does come into my heart, he has ways for me to live and his things he wants me to do because he does love me. Either way, I look at it, I see one common theme churches are closing their doors left and right, churches are declining in attendance. Churches are losing young people in droves. They want nothing to do with the church anymore. They want nothing to do with God anymore. They don't want to hear it no more. They're tired of it. They've heard enough. Churches are having a hard time finding pastors. Churches have lost respect and influence in their community. Meetings, focus groups, surveys, questionnaires. That I found this funny. Questionnaires are put out to the town to say, how can we better serve you? What kind of question is that? You think because you put out a questionnaire, they're just going to come to your church? They don't come to church because the church is a witness to our lifestyle and a witness of what God wants to do in somebody's life. They don't come in because we have meetings and focus groups and surveys and questionnaires to see what we can do to bring people in. Pastors are discouraged by lack of church growth. Is there no word from God? No vision for his people? Is there no one asking him what needs to be done? Now even though this word from Jeremiah was hard and rough, the people of Israel didn't hear the full message of God in the book of Jeremiah. So I want to read you the good news because Jeremiah believed there was hope for the children of Israel. This is what he said. They only heard the bad. They only focused on the bad, the judgment of God. They never heard the love of God or the mercy of God side of it. Listen to what he says. Chapter 23, verses 5 through 8. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, The Lord lives, which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth, which brought up, and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country, and from all the countries whither I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Jeremiah thought there was hope for the people. Chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you, in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me. And ye shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken to you. Ye shall seek me and find me. When ye shall search with me. With your whole heart. And I will be found of you. saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations. And from all the places whither I have driven you. saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place. Whence I caused you. To be carried captive. Jeremiah gave them hope. And then it's what he said in chapter 31. Verse 31. 31 and 31. Behold the days come saith the Lord. That I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. With the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. In the day that I took them by the hand. To bring them out of the land of Egypt. Which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this will be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts, and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity... And I will remember their sin no more. There was hope. He not only said what God was going to do to the people, he gave them hope that God will come back for you, that He is a God of love. And He's going to show you His mercy, His grace, and His love. And He's going to send you back home so that you can worship Him in His holy temple. They didn't hear that part of it, they only heard the judgment and the meanness. But God is so balanced. God gave Jeremiah hope to the children of Israel after such harsh sayings. God honored his word. I'm not going to read the text. But in Psalm 126, when the people returned home, the Bible says they began to cry and thank God. And the young ones began to laugh because God had remembered his word to Jeremiah. He remembered his word to the people. And they marched on home. I think we've been preaching up since I've been here. They marched on home and they saw their land. And they worshiped God. Everything was around them was a mess. But God honored his word. And he had delivered them. And he had touched them. And he had moved them just like he said he was going to do. Is there any word? Is there any hope? Is there any vision for you today and me? Is there any word that God can give us a hope or vision for us as a church? Yes, there is. John chapter 1, verse 1. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as though the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That word that he spoke in the Old Testament became flesh And dwelt among us. And one day that word came riding in on a donkey. In Matthew 21 verse 1. The word comes right up to the temple. And they say blessed be the God. Hosanna to the son of David. Glory to God in the highest. And they began to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. They laid their garments down. They laid their palms down. And they said come in O king of kings. And lord of lords. We worship you. And we on you. And then they called that prophet's name. Jesus, he is the Lord. Jesus goes into the temple and he cleans out all the mean and nasty things that shouldn't have been in there. And he said, my house shall be a house of prayer. And then he goes out and what does he do? He heals the lame, the sick, and those who need a savior. The word became flesh. The word became a prophet. His name was Jesus. The prophet is Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want to say to you this morning that Jesus Christ, he cast the mission of the church. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to deserve whatever I've taught you. And lo, I am with you always and forever, even unto the end of the world. Jesus Christ, he cast the mission of the church. Jesus Christ, he casts the vision of the church. And Luke chapter 14, around verse 23, it says, The master one day went out and got a lot of food. And he grabs all his food and he tells his servant, Prepare a big old table. Go ask the ones that I love. Go ask my people, the ones who say they love me, the ones who say they serve me, the ones who say they want to follow me. Go ask them to come into my house and enjoy the that i have for them the servant goes out one guy says look here man i just bought a house and it needs some work please forgive me but i got to go take care of that another man said hey i just got some cattle that came in i got to go take care of these cattle and do things that are important go tell the master and ask the master to forgive me another guy came comes in And he says, hey, I just got married. Now, I probably have more respect for that guy because he has to talk to somebody. The guy with the cow don't talk. The guy with the house don't talk. But when you say, I got a wife, now you got to justify yourself. So anyway, this guy tells the old dude, look, just go tell the master that I just got married. I can't come to his house right now. Those that he loved, those that he called, those that he delivered. And he has to come back and tell the master, you've made this big spread for your people, that you've called them. They want nothing to do with it. The master says, go out there to that little city. Go get these people, bring them to my house. The lame, the weak, the hurting. So the servant goes out and he brings them in. He brings them to the table. And a servant says to the master, I'm bringing them in as fast as I can, but there's, there's more to go get. He says, Go out into the highways, go all over the place, and bring them into my house so that they may be full. If my people won't come, if those that I love and called won't come, go and get them. That's the vision to go get the lost, the undone. Jesus casts a mission, he casts a vision, but then he also casts a value. Of this mission and this vision. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 verse 11. This is what he says. The value of this mission. And value of this vision. For the son of man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye. If a man have a hundred sheep. And one does go astray. Doth not he leave the ninety and nine. And goeth into the mountains and seeks that which is gone astray. And if so be that he find it, truly I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Every person in the world has value, God values them because of the cross. Jesus Christ, He casts the mission, He casts the vision, and He casts the value of every person. There's nothing you can do. Why do we think there's things we can do? It's Him and him alone, and him working in our hearts, him working in our lives, and people seeing that, and we telling them that Jesus Christ is king, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's what makes a church grow. That's what makes a difference in community. That's what makes a difference in family. It's nothing else. It's him. It's the old rugged cross, the king of kings and lord of lords. He is a prophet. Jesus, he will cast a mission. He will cast a vision. And he sets the value of each and every person because he is the one who died and rose again. I just want to say to you this morning, West Alexandria Church of the Brethren, listen and follow him. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning in Jesus' name. Of all the sermons I've ever preached in my life, this has been the hardest one. Because it seems like that you are sometimes mean and judgmental. And we never see your loving kindness. And that you always come back for us. You always are reaching toward us. You always are reaching your hand out to us saying, come and follow me. Come and serve me. Come and love me. And you do it because you first loved us. I thank you for every person in the West Alexandria Church of the Brethren. I thank you for their commitment to you. To want to be a light. To want to make a difference. Almighty God let you be our mission. Let Jesus be the mission. Let Jesus be the vision. And let Jesus cast the value of every person that comes our way. Break our hearts. Humble our hearts. Convict our hearts. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Almighty Father that we would do your work. We would accomplish your will, and we would preach the gospel wherever we go. I ask these things in the wonderful, the mighty, and the perfect name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.